morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another episode of The Last Podcast You'd Want. How we doing, everybody? Steve here, and today to the show, we bring producer Trey Turpaluk. Trey, how we doing? Great. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Trey is a producer for an upcoming film, I believe, coming out at the end of this month. Yeah, so we just had a short theatrical run that went out uh, that went out um, the 13th. And, you know, we were in theaters for about two to three weeks and we're just coming up on the 31st, the VOD release over iTunes, which is very exciting. And then on December 1st, it's going to be on Stars, which is, you know, very nice. So there are two, two ways to catch it out, but I definitely encourage people to see it, you know, VOD, see it, see it at home. It'll be great. I, I can tell you, uh, I was lucky enough. I got a, a pre-advanced screener since we were doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, the movie is Fear and Loathing in Aspen. Uh, it is when Hunter S. Thompson uh, decided to run for sheriff of a small town uh, up in Aspen. Uh, I loved it. I can tell you when it comes out on digital, uh, I will be purchasing it. Uh, I just <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed it. I, it. It was so fun because for me, like it showed a different side of Hunter. Like everyone knows Hunter S. Thompson as like the drug tripping, like rebellious. Like everybody knows Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but Fear and Loathing in Aspen, I love that it starts with like him as a family man, him as a father, taking the sun out, catching the fish. He's like, oh yeah, we, 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 you know, we saw some deer and what would we have done if we had uh, had those rifles? That's yeah, it's a, it's a different Hunter. You know, this is not, this is not the Johnny Depp Hunter and, the, the the hunter that Johnny was playing, and you know that's one of the most fantastic performances, especially of the '90s, quite like top hunter performance. And Jay is definitely number two. I really think Jay Boulder did an excellent job in this. But you know, it's it's a totally different hunter. This is 1970. This is Hunter leaving um, San Francisco. This is Hunter after every the Hell's Angels book and everything he went through with that. This is Hunter after what happened in Chicago at, at the conventions. You know, we all just saw that in Chicago, the trial seven, we got really got to see Aaron Sorkin paint that beautiful portrait. Like, but that's where Hunter got his head kicked in as you know, there's a great part. There's a great part in the movie, not to talk too much, too, too much about the thing. I want some people to see it, but that's what Hunter couldn't write, you know, long form journalism is the doctors told him because he got kicked in the head, in the head. those riots. So there are a lot of dots that led Hunter to Aspen, but ultimately it was to follow the great, the great group, group of people, I think, that are coming from that San Francisco crowd. And it really was just a, you know, that space was cultivating artists. And that's something that's, that's really cool, really rare. And at that, at that time, if you get good people combined with good artists and good intentions and all that, like, you're going to find yourself in a special place. And that's, that's what, that's what Aspen was at the time. It's not, it's not the Aspen of today, but to get back to like to Hunter's pathos and about where he was at this time, like he's figuring himself out. And this, what I'm, one of the things I'm most proud about about this movie is that we really nailed the authenticity behind not just the town, the period. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of how it looks because it does look like some 70s ass shit. It, you know? it really does. Thank you. That's, and that's one of the things that I was, I was uh, always, always pressing, always pressing. But um, Hunter was figuring himself out. And at the end of this movie, you re it's a different person. At the end of this movie, he has truly turned, turned, the, turned into the next chapter in his book. 
He understands government like he hasn't before. He understands that local government is so much more powerful than anyone had ever, than he had ever thought of or, or he thinks anyone understands at this point. And then out of this, we get, you know, the campaign trail out of this, we get fear and loathing in Vegas. Like the, this is just, this is the precursor. Hell's sure. Angels is the appetizer, but this is the thing that kind of like turned, like really gave him a lot of self-understanding that made Hunter Hunter. And you mentioned the scene, I mean, not to give too much away, uh, the scene that you were talking about where he talks about his problem. I love the little, the little line, whether it's intentional or not of the places he wants to go. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love him with hair, like not to give anything away, but it's him with hair and, and what he says when they're shaving his head, like <laughs> I was, I was instead like, like the movie, the movie's got everything you want. It's got, it's got good, good comedy to it. Like it's got a great story that goes with it. Like I, it, it's got a little bit of love with him and his wife. Uh, I love the little bit during, I mean, once again, not to give a lot away, but the right before the credits, how you kind of give a little mm -hmm. bit, like, I love that. Like when movies do that, like, I love it. Like oddly enough, like today's the one year anniversary of me dropping my episode uh, oh, wow. a futile and stupid gesture which, oh, a, well, i love that movie I and love and that for movie. that for that i actually got to interview this the screenwriter michael colton who wrote oh the really film. yeah i i released that episode so I, I have the thing that pops up that tells you what what you know what happened so many years ago this day and one year ago today i released my douglas kenny episode <laughs> of a futile and stupid gesture uh, which is great because uh, I mean, I'll, I was going to tell you this afterwards, but this will be dropping tonight. Uh, so it's a nice, it's my, a nice, my little, love that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a nice little follow-up, you know, last year I was talking Douglas Kenny, someone that I loved growing up. Now I'm talking Hunter S. Thompson, someone that influenced me when I was a teenager. Uh, I once stayed awake for 37 hours and then took like a three-hour nap just to go watch *Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas* at a midnight showing at a theater. <laughs> well, that's always that's always the way to do it. And actually, um, you know, just speaking of midnight showings, uh, Bob Bobby Kennedy, the director, and I, and his wife, his wife Am Amaryllis, um, we went to the min and a and a and a gal friend of mine. We went to the midnight showing after you know we were at Bobby's talking about all doing all the stuff, talking about everything that canon could happen this is at the time this was you know this is the uh first this is the night that um once upon a time came out and once upon a time in hollywood and i am like a tarantino like that's the guy that made me realize like film is my thing and made me realize the level of art and all that stuff he's i wouldn't say my my muse because i'm not like we're not in that way like you know uma thurman's like his muse they're working but he is i i give him a lot of credit for getting me and getting me into this and giving me that understanding but bob bobby amaryllis and Am amaryllis plays plays peggy who's writing for the aspen times and she wrote a, her character wrote a wonderful book called to aspen and back that is very well known and a really great read that is gives another take on you know the our our film the time period of our film but seeing we got to go to the midnight show and we went we were like how cheesy can we do the most hollywood movie possible so we we're like midnight showing chinese theater that's that's the way that's it's gotta it. be that's it <laughs> that's great and that and that i mean it's the opposite spectrum but getting into the show uh, of itself a question that i always love to start with have you ever walked out of a movie in the movie theater okay so 
I have never walked out of a movie from like disdain or I don't like this or anything. And this is the first, this like, but I, I'll be honest, like I'll be truthful with you. I have met, left multiple times just because I'm too scared <laughs> and I got to get out of there. Okay. Like, <laughs> I have no shame in that, especially when I was, especially when I was younger, but when I was younger, like, uh, do you, do you see Aragorn? Do you remember that? uh aragorn it's kind um, of part of what 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 universe um, oh that was the dragon one right yes was, yes yeah 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 Yeah, like the first scene with like the bad guys in that like the main character is like under a bed so so like just, just to preface this a little like i'm at i lived in luxembourg for for four years my family worked in politics it was a really great experience that's you know i really got to meet people i went to the international school in the most international place in the world and i think the relationships and the communication and the friend building I had to do out there, I think definitely translates to, you know, I, I was able to bring that throughout my life, not just like to the business or any of that kind of stuff, but just in life. Um, sorry, just blanked on my, my point where I was just leaving with that. I'm dyslexic. That's going to happen again. I'm, the worst. I'm, I'm ADD. So my mind, the, the synapses yeah. are always firing. No, I'm yeah. right there with you. Uh, you were saying that uh, walking out of Aragorn. Uh, oh yeah, was... so this was, well, <laughs> I, I was living in Luxembourg for four years. It's the first birthday party back with the same group. I went to the same school that I went to. My parents were like, yeah, nothing's changed. Everything will be the same. It's only been four years. No one's seen it since kindergarten. And it's like fourth, fifth grade now. And I'm just like, it's like a Friday night, pizza, go to the movie theaters. We're seeing Aragorn for, for a friend. And I had to leave. <laughs> I'm in the bathroom for like 20 minutes. I have no shame about this. And, I, <laughs> and this has happened before. Like we go to Harry Potter three, Dormentors, I'm Audi. <laughs> you're done and that those were the worst nightmares like baltimore baltimore gave me the worst nightmare those are the og nightmares like oh, first right. movie nightmares because i went my mom took me my mom my mom's a saint like she's just she's a saint and she you know she did such a great job of while we were living abroad of you know showing me stuff like you know like 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 rudy like Sandlot, like like the, the stuff you need, the stuff you need to see, but then also the stuff you really need to see, like Blazing Saddles, you know, that kind of the stuff you really need to see. Like my mom, my mom's great. She's a classic. Glenn, she went to Glendale High. You know what I mean? She's just she's classic. Of course. <laughs> Dude, my 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 parents, my parents, my mother, same way. Uh, first movie I remember seeing in the theater. Uh, I'll admit to you, ran out. I was scared. Ghostbusters 2. Uh, <laughs> when they're in the subway and all of a sudden there's a bunch of heads on pikes in a circle. Oh, you're, that, that's, that'll get you. That's the first movie I, uh, first, second grade. Oof. I, my mom pulled me out of school early to go catch an afternoon showing like the day oh. it opened. And I, I remember running out of the theater as fast as I could uh mom didn't even chase me she just stayed in the theater she she was just like he'll be back yeah so harry potter 3 was my i gotta get the these dormantors whatever these are these are these those haunted me for me a good year i'm a, a good year but then that i mean uh that, that was directed, by, that was directed by david yates right i believe so but and that the third he, one is is my favorite. That's the oh, uh, it's far none. It's goblet of fire. Best. And he what he did such a great job because he was a you know, 
one and two were fantastic, but there still was a, the, a, a childish element to it, like just to be blatant. And he brought in maturity. He brought in layers. He brought in love. He brought in relationships to another level. That movie is so fantastic. But the, when he, I don't know what made him make that werewolf hairless, but that, that, Remus, that thing, Remus is very scary. <laughs> that thing got me. That kept my mom up. Like that, that one hurt. <laughs> there you go. So, so, so never, never that a movie has been so bad. Cause I'll admit it. I've walked out of a ton of movies that I've been like, this movie is just horrible. Like I could be doing so many better things. And so I just <laughs> left. I mean, nine times out of 10, I worked for a movie theater. And when you work for a movie theater, you don't go pay to see movies. Mm -hmm. um, I always like the opposite spectrum of it with movies that you technically like couldn't stand to just a movie that you love that you could just watch every day. Totally. Um, that's, that's the easiest. I, I mean, not, 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 not the easiest. Sorry. Like the first thing that comes to my mind is Pulp Fiction. Cause that's, that, that's the movie that made, that put it all together for me. And that sure. made me really take film seriously. And like, I realized that film is the highest art form and the, the, the way to connect its culture. Like I real I realized everything for, for me with that film, but I don't know if that's the movie that, you know, because this is like the Gilligan's Island, this is the Island question, you know, like, what do you, what do you, like, what, what are you, what are you hanging with for the rest of your life? Sure. And I don't, I don't know if I want to hang with, you know, Butch is a rough guy. Like, 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 I, I don't know if I want Vin Rames in my life in that, in that way, you know what I mean? For, for that many years. So I started thinking of it like that after I put a little more thought into it. So I'm going to go with the departed. Cause oh, I just, that's cause just I need, good. I need, I need the music, you know, I need, I need the music. Oh, such a good soundtrack. I need, I need, I need a great, I need a great woman in there. They're beautiful, beautiful women. They're beautiful scenes. What Marty does with the romance in that is unquestionable. And then just like the writing, the acting, the cast, like I like you give me like the next 60 years with, with Jack and Matt and Mark and, you know, Leo, like there's All so of them. Many, Oh my gosh. There's so many more like you, like Martin Sheen. And Alec Baldwin, like side, side, side guys. Oh, bro, Alec Baldwin <laughs> and Mark Wahlberg, like so good. I forget. I think it's how you doing? Good. I'm tired from uh, fucking my wife. How's your wife? Good. She's tired <laughs> yeah. from fucking me. Like I, it's something like that. And and the great line, you know, like uh, we keep you feds like mushrooms. We keep you in the dark and we feed you shit. Like I just, I love the Departed. I love Pulp Fiction. I love The Departed. I actually had The Departed completely ruined for me the day it came out. A, oh. a, a regular came out of the movie. I made the mistake being behind concessions to be like, oh, Mr. Johnson, what did you think of the movie? I can't wait to see it. I'm going to go see it once I get <laughs> off work. I preface, I, I, I started by saying, I'm going to see it once I get off. And he goes, it's amazing. Everyone dies. Oh, wow. <laughs> And then just walks out of the theater like, have a good day. Hope you, you have your ticket, right? I just want to make sure I, I make sure I got you on both ends. Good. Everybody <laughs> dies. So everybody, everybody. Dies. Perfect. Um, no, I love Pulp Fiction, though. I, I in college was completely obsessed with it. Like at one point, like I almost downloaded because I wanted and I've always wanted to do a chronological Pulp Fiction. A Pulp oh, that's, Fiction. That's out. That's out there. That's some. Is there? 
or I, I know it used to be, it might be taken oh. down now, but someone, you, if I, you do enough digging, someone has spliced it chronologically. Chronologically. Like, you know, like the, the opening sound of Pulp Fiction is, um, you know, af after, after Miser Lou, the surf song, is um, the rev, you, you hear a rev of the motorcycle, that's the rev of, of Butch pulling out at the end, you know, starting the new life and get it, getting out of Dodge. Which is funny because like, if you were to chronologically cut it, that would be the last scene is him leaving. Exactly. You'd, you'd have to think though, if you're chronologically cutting it, the first scene would have to be Butch as a child, the Christopher Walken scene. Yeah, that, that's a good, good point. Good this, point. Your, your, your father, God rest his soul, <laughs> he, he hid this watch, the only place he could in his ass. <laughs> And when he died, he gave it to me. Yo, so I was, hit, hit it in my ass. That was a good impression, man. Thank you. I didn't have a lot of friends as a child, so I learned impersonation. <laughs> I do him. I do Patrick Warburton uh, from, from Family Guy. That's just, yeah, that's just the easy. Peter, <laughs> Peter, I need the, I need the lawnmower. The boy's going to take care of the backyard. <laughs> No, I do. I do a bunch of. I I do accents. I do voices. That's not bad at all, dude. Thank that's you. hilarious. Thank you. My favorite. My favorite is the most obscure, and that's Jeff Anderson mm -hmm. from. Uh, you know. Do you know Jeff Anderson from Clerks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays fucking Randall. He works at RST Video, and he just fucking hates customers. <laughs> yeah, like I just listen. I want to do impressions, but I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> oh. Oh man, you want to do impressions? That's fine, man. I'm always, I'm all for it. Yeah, I just was watching Clerks one day and was like, oh my god, like I can just sound like Jeff Anderson, like, <laughs> like it's great. I love it. Um, what's a movie? So, so you mentioned Luxembourg. You mentioned growing up abroad. Uh, what's a movie that takes you back to your childhood? Is it a movie that you remember uh, seeing over there? Uh, what what would it be for you? Yeah, I'd have to go with something something from there. I was very fortunate that when I moved to Luxembourg, they had just built like a cinema, like a whole brand new cinema complex, like big theaters, big concession, all, all, all that stuff. So I was very lucky. And, you know, there's not for a couple Americans, there's only so much to do. So my mom was like, all right, we're taking it to the movies or we're bringing a movie back. All, all I would do in Luxembourg was movies, soccer, because that's the, the language, you know? Movies, soccer, and then Pokemon. Like, that's that, that, was, that was it. Um, but uh, it, The Incredibles, I, you know, I have very, you know, those memories you have that are, oh. <laughs> you're, all, about, all about Pokemon. What's up? You know what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> um, so The Incredibles was just one of those movies. You, those I have one of those random, like for some reason, it's a vivid memory in my childhood of seeing of seeing that at the theater in Luxembourg, and like because it was it was one of the ones my you know when you're when you're over when you're when your family's working in government like and my parents really tried to instill this in me like hey like we're we're representing our country to a certain degree even though I'm six seven eight years nine years old sure like I, it's just you you were not let's not like you know keep the american asshole stereotype going you know <laughs> let's try and let's try and elevate it a little bit yeah. right <laughs> so like my my mom and dad are fantastic with like taking like you know kids out to movies and like you know also to give me something to do so i have a great memory of going to incredibles with a bunch of kids from my class at the international school but it's funny because 
my first gig out here in Hollywood was um, uh, I worked at IMAX for a little bit, just in like the glorified intern program for like, for like four some months. And, you know, the kind of thing where it's like, all right, we've kind of chosen you. We know you guys, if you can make it through this experience, you have the gig. And then I got the gig and I just said, yeah, no, I'm going to, I know, I know what I want to do. I'm starting my own production company. Like, but while I was at IMAX, incredible, the most recent Incredibles was cut was coming out. So like there was in the hoopla, I got to go to like, not the premiere, but like an early screening. So it was kind of, it was really cool to have that. Three nice little full, moment, full circle. Especially with my first, like, you know, six months in LA doing the thing, like trying to figure my shit out. Like it was really cool. So I got to give it to that. It's there, but it's a, a Sandlot's a close second, man. I, <laughs> oh man, I, I love the Sandlot. I mean, not to, not to drop, but you know, I've had uh, Victor Damadia, uh, Marty York, Shane Obazinski. Man, that's a lot. That's going to be Yeah, Yeah, uh, and Timmy and Tommy uh, Timmons. Uh, I've had all three of them on the show. <clears throat> so yeah, I've reached out to the other ones. Haven't heard back yet. Uh, but you know, the door is always open. Yeah. So Sandlot, uh, Incredibles, man, you are making me feel really old though, because I was working at a movie theater when <laughs> the Incredibles was out. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a 95 kid. I'm an 82 kid. So yeah, there's yeah. a little, <laughs> I was 13 well, when you were born. I'll, I'll tell you, it's weird. Like in what, what I do, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm the only guy on the calls that isn't 40. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, but I just try to, you know, just trying to keep working on authentic, on authentic stuff, limitlessly empower artists and tell cool stories. And that puts you around people that are trying to do the same thing. And a lot of those people are older. I mean, I, yep. I do, I do kind of, I don't like, you know, I don't want to talk about like myself all the time, but I do think I am a little different because I feel like most people, my age, especially in this industry, you know, they're, they're actors, they're, they're, ta they're talent, there's some form of talent, or they're working at a company, and their goal is to get at play, play the political game that company get as high, higher up, or do the same thing at a next company and jump, or they're on someone's desk, you know, kind of being a Lloyd to an Ari Gold to some degree. And I'm, I'm, that's not, that's you not got, me. You're, I, you're, you're doing your own thing. You just, you just produced a movie. It was, it was very, it was, it was tough. It wasn't like I, I wanted to do this. And like, I feel like everyone comes to Hollywood. Like I, I didn't come to Hollywood saying like, I want to be a producer or anything like that. I was just like, I, I know this is, this is how I'm going to be involved in culture and cult, culture for me is everything. Moving culture forward, doing it the right way with the right people. Just every, everything I do, it, co it comes down to culture and authenticity. And I knew that I can best affect the world with that through through this town and telling this telling films telling television documentaries all, all that music videos everything yeah yeah and and i mean the what you've done fear and loathing i loved it like i i no i really appreciate it but that's just that's just uh that's we're just getting started over here <laughs> no that's that's great and uh um the fact the fact that you have that great story about how like the incredibles is a great childhood movie for you. And then you get around to like full circle with Incredibles 2, like. I'm a very, I'm very blessed. Like I, I've, I've no, I, I feel like I should be saying that like at the end of every sentence. <laughs> I, I continuously say it when I talk to my friends or people I haven't seen in forever. The only thing I have to talk about is this podcast. Cause that's the only new thing that has happened in my life since they last saw me. I started a podcast. <laughs> 
And one thing I always say, I'm very blessed. I'm very fortunate with the guests that I have been able to get with the names that I have been able to get. Uh, it's, it's right place, right time. Uh, and it's all about, for me, it's all about karma. I'm a big believer yeah. in karma. What you put out, you get back. I try and keep a PMA, a positive mental attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I tell you know people all the time, you put out positivity, you get back positivity. If you put out negativity, you're going to get, you know, get back negativity. I try and put out the best positive I can when I'm out in the public, when I'm by myself and it's just me and my wife, I'll be the most negative motherfucker in the room. <laughs> like, and, then, and then even worse when it's just by yourself. When it's, oh, when it's just by myself, even worse. Turn into a, t- turn into a stand-up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's all about keeping that positive attitude. And it's, it's you know, you're very blessed. I'm very blessed to the things that, that we've been able to do, the things that we are going to do. Look, you're doing the thing. Like, you're, you're, you're genuinely fucking doing it, man. Like, like fuck, kudos to, to the max. Like, I... I couldn't do this. Like I, I, I couldn't like, and thank you so much for having me. Cause this is like, this is so cool for me, dude. I'm, I'm a kid from DC. No one ever in my life mentioned film. No one ever, everyone told me like, Oh, you are, you are your pops. Like you are going to be, you're going to be, you're going to do great. And in, in, on the Hill, you're going to do great in politics, all that shit and lobby and all that world. Like, and that, that was my, that, that's where that was my path. And, you know, life happens. I was, unfortunately, I lost my dad when I was 15 to, to a random heart attack. And that really, that really changed stuff. And I, I had to figure, you know, I really wanted to put myself in a position where it, it was me and my mom against the world. And my, my mom is everything to me. And I wanted to, you know, be the man of the house as much as I could. So I very much tried to get my shit together and, you know, even after that, my first year of college, I experienced some very, very heavy bouts with epilepsy. I was having three seizures at a time for multiple years. My entire college experience is very, very skewed, very different, but it led to very, I was with myself a lot and I'm very thankful for that because I had to figure my stuff out. I had to, and I, that's when I got into, you know, I really thought my thing was music at first, you know, I was, that's, I was always the guy with the playlist who would bring the speaker to basketball practice and like everyone, like I was always playing the music at the parties and stuff like, cause I, 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 I love music. I love going to good music all day and like listen to all the stuff. I love, I love seeing like going on Dat Piff and seeing what new, what new mixtapes were dropping. And then, you know, when my, when my dad passed away, Anthony Kiedis, like I got, I got to credit him, like his books, Scar Tissue, that, that is what, changed my life, pulled me out of the rut completely. Told me like, you got like, get, get up and go, like live the life that you want to live. Like you're being, you're being a pussy trait. Like stop being a pussy. Like that's, I really had to face that. And then with the epilepsy, like that's really a condition that um, not enough of the world understands. And that's one of my goals is to get people to understand really the gravity of that condition. Cause it, it's, it's some dark, it's some dark shit. And Lou, Lou Reed, is the person that pulled me out of that. I just happened to, you know, get a hold of his book, his, his, his biography written by Anthony DeCurtis. And, you know, that, that changed, that changed a lot for me that, that, that pulled me out of a lot. I mean, I thought I had been through some real shit with my dad passing, but the epilepsy was a whole nother grand slam. You know what I mean? And I'm very thankful that I, I was able to use that time to figure myself out. Cause I was like, I had to do medical withdrawals and all that stuff. So it was just me in my apartment. I was at the University of Arizona in Tucson. 
And I'm just like, I was just that dude that was in my, in my room. I'd be playing the bass guitar, but I'd, I would have like chili peppers playing. And then like, t- like I would have pulp, like a turn, like Jackie Brown, like on this, on the screen, people would walk in. Like, I love, like, I love the vibe. Cause people love, you know, especially in college, like people like, the creative types and shit like that but I wasn't like pushing that I was just trying to do figure out my thing you know what I mean but people would come in and just like there's just this this <laughs> there's so much in the air <laughs> the atmosphere is just all fucked up it's everywhere it's eyes. everywhere They're like how are you focused on anything at all I'm like I don't know I'm just reading this script I'm I got chili peppers playing Tarantino's on the screen like all that kind of stuff sure so, I we all, have, I, we all have our ways. <laughs> do I feel you, man? Music, music for me is a way of life. Like I'm always playing music. I'm either listening to a podcast or, or listening to music in the car. I'm always playing music or, or watching a movie while I'm at work in between my calls. <clears throat> when, uh, when my brother and I, uh, when we lived together, uh, we had the two TV set up and that was one TV for video games, one TV to play a movie. Yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah. So, so like I'm right there. And then sometimes it would be both of that. And we'd be playing music off of a computer or a phone or something. Yeah, man. It's, it's that real I'm ADD. He was ADHD. So it's, it's that, you know, when the brain is continuously going a million miles yeah. an hour and it's hard to make it stop having all of these things around, like just help you centralize on one. Thing. Yeah. That's what I think. That's why I think I'm crazy. Cause I'm epileptic. I'm ADHD and I'm ADD. So like, what, like, like, come on, <laughs> like, like what more can it be? It's not normal. Like, and you can ask anyone, like, I don't say team for you. Like we're a family, but you can ask anyone in the family. Like I'm not, I'm not normal. There's, oh. too, much, there's too much going on every, every day. And that's, that's the way I like it. But like, I really like, like one, one of my, one of my true idols is, is, is Jimmy Iovine. And that's kind of what, when I saw it, have you seen Defiant Ones? I haven't. All right, dude, this, I, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not going to respond to an email or shit from you until you watch Defiant Ones. Copy that. Like, Copy me, that. This, this, like, I had my experiences in music. I was able to work with Don Zantara, the Foo Fighters producer, because he was lived in Baltimore, which isn't just a hop, skip and a highway away from, from me in DC. But like really, I, like I was saying, I thought my thing was music for a while. And when, um, when Defiant Ones came out, it was just it was just like Jimmy Iovine was talking to me. And I, I, I just totally understood. We were on the same page with everything when it comes to just, I mean, the deduction of it. At the end of the day in this town, you have to pan fry everything for it to make sense to, to anyone, I feel. But just limit, limitlessly empowering artists like that is just what it's about like that's what interscope was what is it was about and that's what i'm trying to cultivate in yo and with that comes crazy but out of crazy and mayhem comes comes fortune that's what comes the best stuff like he you know he had he had dre with snoop he had dre producing for snoop a lot of great stuff came out of there. Then he had Trent Reznor, and Trent Reznor was producing for Marilyn Manson. Now let that's and there's a lot more going on besides just those two little groups. But like sure. that's the that's the madness. Um, I wrote he, it. I wrote it down, so I got Defiant Ones written. So I'm definitely going to check oh, it. Please. But J- Jimmy, you know, watching Defiant Ones and connecting with Jimmy on a level I really hadn't connected with someone before. Um, I, I knew I wanted to be the Jimmy Ivy in a film. Like that's, that's just, that's what I wanted to do. I just, it hit me in the head like this. I want to be the film version of this guy. And that's, that's what, that's what I'm shooting for. And that's why like at, 
idea we don't we don't have a niche like i'm not trying to just tell like action movies i'm not trying to just make movies for three three to five million dollars i'm not just making tv shows it is it's about i mean and it's tough because it leads to say no a lot but that's one of the reasons why i'm so proud of the tone we've been able to build and we really you know have a similar i kind of come out of that anonymous content world my mentor um david carmen started anonymous content with steve golan and jim jim tauber so that's kind of the membrane i come out of combined with imax a little combined with interscope a little so like that's my that's what that's what we do that's what our family that's what our family does and it's just it's exciting it's full authenticity negative corniness optimizing re resonation but it all comes down to the stories and, and authentic telling them as authentically as possible absolutely absolutely um you kind of went over the first movie to give you nightmares uh voldemort uh with <laughs> harry potter um what's a movie that you feel that you can watch once you never have to watch it again whether it be a movie that's bad or a movie that's so impactful so i'm just gonna say titanic because i don't need to see that shit ever again i don't i don't need to i ain't blocking off i mean like James Cameron is like I'm so excited for I love Avatar I love Avatar too love everything love everything but I I don't need to go through that that you know again. you you know how it ends when you yeah, walk in that's that's what I told everyone I said why do I need to go see it I know how it ends and like I don't I and mean, like it's just kind of you can say that thing so you call yourself like I don't know do I need to see Saving Private Ryan again like it was fucking great <laughs> but oh but that I don't know if I need to hit it, hit, hit it one more time sure sure but, so, uh, if anything, I would watch the uh, Titanic again to watch Kathy Bates play the unsinkable Molly Brown. <laughs> that is that good pull. Good pull. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that and Billy Zane just being a complete douchebag because <laughs> who doesn't love Billy Zane? Um, no, Titanic. I said it's so funny. I just saw a meme the other day that said my grandfather saw the Titanic and told everybody it was going to sink. Told them multiple times. He eventually <laughs> got kicked out of the theater. I don't even know. No, yeah, it's it's history. No, that's I, great though. Um, it might just it might just you know we're 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 two dudes, so maybe that's just us. You know, like we don't need the the love story. I'm sure I'm sure there's a different answer coming coming from coming from the other the, lots, the lots other of, side of the aisle. Lots of great jokes though. Uh, whenever I think of Titanic, I automatically always go to the office with Jim, just looking at the uh, camera when they do the boat, and he's like, "My next paycheck." Within 20 minutes, Michael is on the front of the boat screaming, I'm the king of the world. Yeah. And then just, and then like the next shot is Michael going, I am king of the world. Like, <laughs> and then it just pans to Jim on the side and he's just doing the gym, the gym helper, like, mm. <laughs> no. But um, as we do come to a close, uh, I always like to end with uh, a listener recommendation, a movie that you love that you think the listener should go check out and give a chance. Yeah, man, this is this is this is a tough one because um, I want I want to support, but um, there's a movie there's a movie I really I, re I really like that I don't think gets enough love. Um, Be Beyond the Gates, uh, Jackson Stewart is the director and the writer. It, you can catch it on Hulu. It's just it, it's a really great film, it, especially if you're into like '80s '80s horror movies that are just done right done right. You know, with that they're so bad that but they're great. 
I mean, J Jackson Stewart just completely nailed it on this one. And he's got a great, great cast. And he did it for, uh, I, I mean, I heard he did it for about 300K, which is just very impressive. And it's someone that I'm, I'm really looking forward to working with in the future. I just was just recently connected with them, but this movie is really, really cool. So ch check it out. Check beyond, it out. Beyond the Gates. Beyond the Gates, Hulu. Awesome. I wrote that one down too. <laughs> so I have Defiant Ones and Beyond the Gates written down. Um, Fear and Loathing in Aspen. Let, let the listeners know when it's available on VOD. Yeah, August 31st, iTunes. It's going to be on some spotlight. I don't know what, but uh, August 31st. You can rent it, you can buy it, whatever you prefer. Like, please, if you want it, if you want to, if you want the most accurate take on who Hunter S. Thompson was, the, the, this is that. This is that. Trey, uh, where can people find you online? Are you on the social medias? I, I am. I, I don't, no, no Twitter, no Facebook, but I have an Instagram because my publicist would kill me if I didn't. And I wouldn't know if one of my friends died, if, if, if not. But uh, just Trey Terp, just T-R-E-Y-T-E-R-P is my handle. Excellent. Uh, as we come to a close here at the last podcast you want, I did previously mention we like to keep a PMA, a positive mental attitude. Do you have a personal mantra or a message of positivity that you'd like to leave the listeners with as we close it on up? Um, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a mantra. Um, uh, I am working on one. I, I do gravitate towards the Buddhist side of side of thinking, but could I just leave kind of so, some advice? Yeah, absolutely. This is the advice I like, I like to, I like, I like to give people the most. And I think it applies to someone that could be in high school, could be in film school, could not be in film school and, or someone that could, you know, as is under 30 in this industry or just still trying to figure it out. But this is what, this is what helped me, helped me the most. You need to understand what you like and what you don't like. You really need to take the time to listen to music, watch movies. So like, take, take Reservoir Dogs. Why do I like, why am I laughing at this line? What is, what is it about this that I like? And then do the verse. What is it about this scene that I don't like? What is it about this dialogue here that I don't like? What is it about this delivery? What is it about this shot? You can take it everywhere, but you really, I, I, I'm a believer that you can't go too far without, know, without knowing yourself. I, like that's that's ultimately what it comes down to so at the end of the day you know you can watch all the tarantino interviews you can watch all the fincher interviews the sorkin interviews you want to you want to watch on youtube all that stuff you can get all those little youtube clips that people make for how this happened or how to do this and that but you know like it's not about no one wants no one i'm not i'm not tarantino no one wants that for me like Trey, Trey just has to be Trey. And that's what, that's another thing I realized. Like the reason I idolize these people is because QT is just QT, you know, QT is just QT. So Trey just has to be Trey. And that's, and that's that. That's that. Trey, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I Steve, I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the fine ones. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been another episode of The Last Podcast You'd Want. And until next week, tip the veal, try the staff, and I'll see you then. Thanks for coming to see our show. Sad to tell you we've got to go. Grab your hat and head for the door. In case you didn't notice anymore. If you like our show, tell everyone but. If you think it's great, keep your big mouth shut. Yeah.
over.